The Women of the Expanse, Episode 2. Hello, welcome to Episode 2 of the Women of the Expanse podcast. I am your host, Dee Dee Jennings one half of the Black Girl Squee podcast. Last time, I talked about the world of The Expanse, the format of this show, and everything that the women got up to in the first three episodes of season five. It's pretty great that I can basically recap the show while focusing on just the women characters of The Expanse. That's how central they are to each and every plot line unlike your white male faves. Quick question. Is your white male fave character really as complex as you make him out to be? Or does he just process trauma and grief through violence, like a lot of stunted white men? Something to... Season 5, Episode 4 of The Expanse is called Gogamella. It is the name of a decisive battle for Alexander the Great in October of 331 BC, where he invaded the Persian Empire. The result was a Macedonian victory. Alexander takes Babylon, half of Persia, and all other parts of Mesopotamia. Now for our characters. Um, We'll start with UN Secretary General Nancy Gao. In episode four, uh, we see the results of Marco's asteroid attack on the inner planets. Nancy Gao was just leaving trade talks in South Asia when a second rock fell to Earth just north of Philadelphia. She refuses to abandon Earth and go to Luna, where she and those aboard UN-1 would be safe. Her staff has blocked communications from both Avasarala and Admiral Delgado, who's jumped back on the team after the attack on Dakar. So Christian talks to uh, the head chef and pleads with him to get a message to Nancy Gale, which leads us to Christian's um, uh, involvement in this episode. Uh, Christian finally gets through to Nancy Gao, who takes Alvisarala's advice and reroutes the satellites away from Mars to monitor further asteroids. It's her last act before UN-1 is attacked and everyone on board is presumed dead. Christian keeps sending messages to her husband, Arjun, but has yet to get an answer. Admiral Delgado comes back to her office and flagellates himself for alienating her in the previous episode. But Christian listens to him, yet doesn't absolve him of his cowardice. Maybe she was right before. Maybe she has learned to... The fight is not over, she tells him. Together they watch as the recently retasked Watchtowers locate another asteroid, cloaked in stealth tech, and destroy it before it can reach Earth. Now for Sakai. Sakai, we see, is working with Fred Fred Johnson and James Holden to uncover the mole at Tycho Station. 
but Sakai is the mole. And the guys find out too late when she shoots Fred in the back a bunch of times. Then she extracts the protomolecule sample from Fred's quarters. In the book Nemesis Games, Sakai does portray Fred and facilitates the theft of the sample. But she doesn't kill Fred. Fred dies in a different manner and in a different book. So I wasn't re- I wasn't ready to lose him this soon. But enough about the guys. I'm wondering if Sakai will be interrogated on this show. I would like to hear more about her motives and if she reports to Anaros directly or to someone else. How deeply have the Free Navy infiltrated all factions of the OPA? Sakai could give us a clue. Now on to Naomi Nagat. Philip brings Naomi to Marco so he can gloat and gaslight her the way he used to when they were together. Then he makes her a prisoner on his flagship, the Pella. Uh, side note, the Pella is the ancient Macedonian birthplace of Alexander the Great. It's good to know that it's good that Naomi is there so that Philip can hear another viewpoint to cut through all of Marco's bombast and bullshit. Naomi is too smart to sit through too many more of Marco's speeches. I think she will find a way to thwart Marco's plans or get off the pillow somehow. Maybe both. She is a genius after all. But can she get through to her son, Philip, or is it too late? Marco has already made the child responsible for millions of deaths. Will Naomi be placed in yet another situation where she had to either save herself or save her child? We'll see. Bobby Draper Bobby is on the Razorback with a member of the Rocinante that I do not want to name or mention. They are on their way to track the Barkeith and see if they can catch uh, people on the Barkeith making an illegal sale of Martian technology. Bobby tells the member of the Rossi a story about how she learned to channel her sadness and mourning for um, into something productive. She says, when you come out the other side of this, you're going to want to be doing something that matters. The moment is interrupted when they get an emergency alert from the UN restricting flights to Earth. Bobby pulls up a news feed about an attack on Martian on the Martian Parliament, which happened around the same time. And that's all, that's all we get of Bobby this episode. Now on to the one character that I waited to mention last episode, who is Clarissa Mao. She is in the pit, which is a below-ground section of the UN penitentiary for criminals with body modifications. Clarissa is much worse for wear than the last time we saw her in Season 3. She gets the three hots in a cot like any prisoner today gets. She gets a half-hour walk around the yard each day, weekly therapy, 
plus treatment to block the chemicals in her body mod. She could technically get the modification removed, but she says, they said surgery, surgery would be difficult and life without it would be even less fun than this. Clarissa gets a visit from Amos. He says he wants to help Clarissa, but she sees no possibility for redemption. Not every stain comes out, she says. Clarissa's story makes me think about how many, usually white, male villains get a redemption arc, whether it makes sense or not. How many women, and especially women of color, get the same treatment, whether it's in text or in fandom? They soon hear a lockdown alert in the pit and feel the aftershocks of another rock falling outside of Philadelphia. Looks like the fan favorite male character will not be going back up the well anytime soon. A note about Corral. Corral is another gender-bent character from the books. In the series, it looks like Corral has been more of a mother to Philippa Naros than in Naomi's absence. It would explain why she takes umbrage when Naomi tries to, to claim maternal rights for a chance to speak to Philip. On the show, Corral is played by Olenike Adeliyi, a black Canadian with Nigerian and Jamaican parents. She is one of the few dark-skinned actors on the show. I hope that fans of the show will take a moment to think about the characters' motivations before making snap judgments. None of the people on the Rossi are angels. They all have pasts and enemies. So, just because somebody is rude to them <laughs> doesn't make them the enemy. The fact that Carl is working for Marco Naros makes her the enemy. <laughs> um, uh, just a tangent, but I wonder if Olenike ever tried out for the role of Dr. Elvia Koye. She looks more like the LV in my head than the one cast on the show. Just another thought. Well, that's all I have for the second episode of the Women of the Expanse podcast. If you'd like to comment, you can contact Black Girl Squee on Twitter or email blackgirlsquee at gmail.com and put Women of the Expanse in the subject line. You can also find this and all episodes on blackgirlsquee.simplecast.com. Thanks for listening.